At WakeMed MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year. Primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org. Welcome to another weekly edition of The Wrap. I'm WRAL State Government reporter Travis Fain, and this week is just me. It's been a busy, busy week in North Carolina politics, so at the end of this long week, you get me. And the big thing this week, hey, what else? Medicaid expansion. After, what, a decade or more of conversations, debates, Medicaid expansion looking like it was just never going to happen we are a few votes away from Medicaid expansion, North Carolina being the 40th state to expand Medicaid as kind of was contemplated in the Affordable Care Act when it passed back, I believe, in 2010. If you follow NC politics, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with the deal already, but CON reform is in there. That's the hospital regulations that are going to be loosened up to increase competition in, in, in hospitals. HASP is in there. That's the stabilization payments that, in addition to the billions of dollars from Medicaid expansion to cover hundreds of thousands of the states largely working poor uh, and give them an insurance card and the, the money that pours into hospitals, there will be a few billion dollars extra that will go into hospitals every year to kind of help them, uh, particularly in rural areas. What's not in there that the Senate one time demanded to be in there is the SAVE Act. That is something that nurses want and doctors very much do not want because it gives nurses more authority to practice, to serve patients without a doctor signing off on what they do, signing paperwork and supervising them. That costs nurses uh, sometimes tens of thousands of year dollars a year that they have to pay to a doctor. So that was something uh, that nurses had pushed for, doctors had pushed back against. And a lot of people in the state Senate felt like was necessary to expand the overall supply of health care since we're going to have all these people uh, getting health insurance through this state program. This is huge. This is something Governor Roy Cooper has wanted all six of his years in office. It's something that's been a priority for Democrats for as long as it's existed and that Republicans have blocked until last year when they started to get on board with it. And now... Uh, Senator uh, Phil Berger and Speaker of the House Tim Moore, the two top leaders in our General Assembly, stood together at a podium and said it's going to happen. So that's incredible. Bill still has to be released, and there are going to be some details. Uh, Number one, expansion is tied to the budget. So no Medicaid expansion until a new state budget passes. Now that's a big deal because Republicans are probably going to put some stuff into that budget that Democrats don't want, that Governor Roy Cooper doesn't want. And they're going to have to swallow it if they want Medicaid expansion. So that is all about leverage, which is what politics or much of politics is about. Uh, I am hosting On the Record this weekend. That's WRAL's Political Roundtable show airs 7 p.m. Saturday. I asked uh, Representative Donnie Lambeth, who is a House budget writer and a longtime Medicaid supporter, what they're going to try to make Democrats swallow in the budget. And he said not to expect anything really all that different from recent budgets. I'm not sure if I'd bet on that. Lambeth also said that uh, when it comes to tax cuts, because we expect Republicans to push for some more tax cuts in this coming state budget because we're running a surplus. We keep collecting more money in the state of North Carolina than uh, we have expected in the budget. So he expects some of that to go to tax cuts, as, as do we all. He said he's hearing more interest from the House Republicans 
on speeding up already planned personal income taxes. That doesn't mean that we won't also speed up already planned business tax cuts. Also on the budget, they're not waiting on a spending cap agreement. In past years, the House and the Senate have agreed to, all right, we're going to spend $30 billion. Now let's start breaking down how we're going to spend that. They're not doing that this year. At least the House is not waiting for that to happen before it gets started with the budget. So that is all happening kind of at once. They're still talking about the spending cap, but uh, House budget chairs, area chairs, as they're called, who deal with different aspects of the budget. They started meeting, I believe, on Thursday of this week. Also a big deal this week, abortion conversation. Uh, When is a bill coming to change our current law, which forbids abortion, generally speaking, after the 20th week of pregnancy. Uh, We've heard that that's probably going to come down to 12 weeks, maybe 13 weeks. There is a big push for a heartbeat bill, which would be about six weeks. So when are we going to see actual language? We we, we expect it to kind of emerge uh, in in whole and not really change once Republicans in the House and Senate kind of come to an agreement on that. That agreement is taking a while. Uh, At one point this week before a major House Republican caucus on this bill, The Speaker of the House said, told me that uh, we might have it next week, possibly next week. And uh, Senator Berger in the Senate was less optimistic about that timetable. And then after the House Republican Caucus, uh, the Speaker said that the process may take a few weeks to get a bill. And quote, I don't see us filing one next week. So I don't know that abortion has been backburnered, but we're talking about the budget and how it has to move forward in order for Medicaid expansion to happen. We're talking about Medicaid expansion moving forward. These things take bandwidth, uh, as does abortion. So you may see that get uh, put not to the back of the line, but a little further back. The speaker also said that there is a lot of support in his caucus, the House Republican Caucus, to add prenatal, uh, boosted funding for prenatal programs, programs that help young children, uh, reform adoption rules in North Carolina, Uh, And that there was, quote, pretty much unanimity. Yeah, I can't pronounce that word, but there was a lot of support in the House Republican Caucus to do something on adoption in conjunction with an abortion bill. Uh, So look for that to emerge. Uh, But as far as how many weeks, what the abortion portion of that bill will look like, we don't have consensus yet. We'll see what happens. I I would note that uh, the 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 North Carolina uh, Southern Baptists uh, that conference has really started to mobilize its members to push for a heartbeat bill. Uh, something like 85% of abortions that are performed in this country happen before the 12-week mark. So for a lot of conservative Christians, uh, anti-abortion activists, moving it from 20 weeks to 12 weeks in North Carolina is not that big of a gain. You're not saving, uh, from, from the way they look at it, enough babies to make it worthwhile. So, so you've seen a push from the right for a heartbeat bill about six weeks. One of my best friends in the world is a guy named Todd Unziker. He's the executive director of the State Baptist Convention. Uh, and he, I have noticed on Twitter uh, and just in general, has started uh, calling on his churches and, and members of the churches in that conference to push lawmakers for a heartbeat bill. Again, he's a good friend of mine. You're not going to see me reporting on it other than just kind of mentioning that that's happening. I'm sure you all can imagine that's a large group of churches That is going to ramp up some political pressure. Marijuana, medical marijuana, passed the Senate this week, moves to the House. Timetable is unclear for what happens next in the House, when it moves. We we mentioned bandwidth issues already with Medicaid and the budget. So we'll see. Uh, Pretty amazing, though, that medical marijuana is moving forward in North Carolina, and we expect it 
to continue to move forward in North Carolina. It's what, like the fourth, fifth, or sixth thing that uh, we're talking about, I'm talking about, on this podcast. Monday, Monday evening is the state of the state. Governor Roy Cooper's, uh, I guess, biannual address. The The pandemic has confused me, but his big speech to the joined Joint House and Senate uh, will be broadcast, starts at 7.01 p.m. Monday evening. That's roughly when the governor will be invited into the chamber, the House chamber. And so the big gold doors open and he starts walking down. We'll see how many hands he shakes. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson will handle the Republican response uh, shortly after the governor finishes his speech. Uh, we're told the governor's speech is probably going to last about 40 minutes, and then Robinson will follow up. That's kind of a big deal. In the past, it has been uh, typically when it's the Senate's turn to pick who gives the response, as it is this year, uh, typically it's been Senate uh, President Pro Tem Phil Berger, leader of Republicans in the Senate, but with Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, very popular among Republicans, very bombastic and excellent public speaker, uh, even though uh, a lot of people don't like the things that come out of his mouth when he's doing the public speaking, uh, he will give that response. And really, that kind of is the the state Senate saying, well, this is the face of the Republican Party. I mean, Robinson is has not formally announced a run for governor, but he's running for governor in 2024. That's he, He's made that very clear. And so this is the Senate saying, uh, this this is our guy. Uh, I'm curious, you know, given he, he, he is a very extemporaneous speaker, speaks off the cuff a lot. I'd be fascinated to find out how much of this speech was written in advance, probably most of it, but I'd be fascinated to know who had to sign off on what he's about to say here uh, as part of the deal for him to give that speech. I I have no idea, but, but we'll see. Uh, he also, Robinson, will speak at CPAC Saturday, the Gathering of Conservatives. Uh, his speech is at about noon. Be interesting to compare that speech to the uh, the one he gives responding to the governor on State of the State Night. Also this week, the State Board of Education finalized its pilot program for uh, teaching licenses. They want to change the way teachers are judged, licensed, and paid in North Carolina pretty radically, pretty significantly. I'm not going to get into the details you can read about it. Emily Walkenhorst, our fine education reporter here at WRL, has written about it many, many times. You want to go find those stories. Uh, but that is moving forward. More of the details are moving forward. Perhaps more interesting, the state board also backed unanimously uh, a call for a minimum of a 10% raise for all teachers in North Carolina. Now, a 10% raise, that would be significantly more than teachers have gotten in recent years. It would uh, result in starting pay of $40,700 $40, for first-year teachers. That's a $3,700 increase. And it would make base pay, so that's base pay is, is before the counties put their money in because teachers are paid by the state. And then some counties, most counties, almost all of them, kick in extra money that varies by county. The state's base pay uh, for the most experienced teachers would increase by $5,400 under this to $59,400. So back of the envelope math, and I should mention that the, the, the resolution that the State Board of Education passed with bipartisan support calls for a minimum 10% across the board, and then some kind of very vaguely worded or, or, or not fleshed out extra funding for young teachers, teachers who are kind of just starting out. And I don't know exactly what the details are on that, but 10% across the board by my back of the envelope math, about a half a billion dollars, which would be recurring funding. Uh, Y'all might remember that the legislature has been more under Republican leadership willing to do bonuses like $1,000, $1,500 bonuses that aren't recurring so that they don't 
uh, tie up money in future budgets. But we are running multi-billion dollar surpluses, so we certainly have this money now. Now, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, he's a member of the State Board of Education, and so he voted for this plan. He endorsed it. Like I said before, the state Senate has said, this is our guy. He's given the speech. He's kind of the face of the Republican Party in North Carolina right now. And my question is, does that mean that a 10% raise is now the floor as far as the North Carolina Senate is concerned? I don't know that, that that's the case, but I mean, that would be consistent, right? If, if the lieutenant governor is calling for at least a 10% raise for teachers and he's kind of being pointed to as the face of the Republican Party right now, you, you would have to expect that's where the conversation begins or is centered. So we shall see. By There are all sorts of measures on teacher pay nationally. They all lag by a year or two as the data is collected from the 50 states. But we are just consistently right now one of the lower states in the nation on teacher pay. That's, that's not really disputed. There has been a spate of guns being found in schools, uh, particularly here in the Triangle area. Uh, unfortunately, it's just been happening over and over again. One kid brought an AR-15 to a basketball game, an indoor basketball game. Uh, now the State Child Fatality Task Force said earlier this week, I believe Monday of this week, that child gun deaths in North Carolina are higher than the national average. In 2021, North Carolina children were 51% more likely to die from gun violence than children in the United States as a whole. Uh that's 93 children in North Carolina who died of homicide. Another 62 died of suicide and uh, firearms used in more than 70% of those deaths. Uh, a CDC survey, our coverage notes, recently found that 30% of kids in North Carolina uh, told a surveyor that they could obtain and be ready to fire a loaded gun within an hour without their parents' permission, uh, homicides and suicides in general. Uh, up sharply in 2021, which is kind of the most recent year we have all this data for. Bottom line, some of you responsible gun owners out there are not actually being responsible. Uh, we've heard stories of you know guns just being left in a way that, that, that children can e- easily get them. So that is um, a shame and then some. The Supreme Court of the United States wants additional briefing. They announced this week in Moore v. Harper, That's the big redistricting case that may ultimately decide how much power state Supreme Courts across the country have when it comes to changing what state legislatures do in redistricting when state legislatures draw congressional lines, particularly because this is more about the federal lines. What power does a state Supreme Court have to rein that in? Or in North Carolina's case, what happened was the state Supreme Court Uh, had a panel uh, redraw those lines, which Republicans got upset over. They sued over, redistricted a long-running battle. It went all the way up to the state Supreme, excuse me, to the state Supreme Court and then to the United States Supreme Court, which could set precedent nationwide. But in November, we elected a majority Republican state Supreme Court. It had been a majority Democrat state Supreme Court, and that is the court, the Democratic court, that decided Republicans had gone too far here in drawing their maps and needed to be reined in. The Republicans asked for that to be reheard after the election. The Republican-leaning state Supreme Court now has reheard it, or excuse me, is rehearing it, not next week, but the week after. I believe that's March 14th or 15th. And they could they could end up 
reversing everything. So the, this is basically the United States Supreme Court saying, hey, we want some briefing on what happens if that happens. If, if the state Supreme Court precedent that we've been asked to review goes away, changes, you know, what, what happens? And, and I think the question there is, does that moot the United States Supreme Court case, which has been watched nationally because it could set national present, precedent uh, in Moore v. Harper? W- will it just go away? Is this an off-ramp for the United States Supreme Court to get out of this case because uh, our own legal wrangling here in the state has mooted it. That's something to watch. The state Supreme Court hears not just the redistricting case that, that I'm talking about here, but rehears the state's voter ID case to decide whether or not we can we have to show photo ID at the polls, something we've been debating here for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Uh, that is March 14th and 15th, I believe. Uh, don't hold me to those actual dates. My apologies. Real quick, I'll mention that uh, Rachel Hunt, uh, daughter of former Governor Jim Hunt and a state senator uh, here in North Carolina is running for lieutenant governor. She joins what I expect will be a fairly crowded field. Can't give you a big rundown on that, but she did announce this week. Uh, next week, as I mentioned, State of the State, Monday night. We'll have coverage for you on that, on WRAL, some analysis and the speech and whatnot. Uh, also, it'll be streaming, of course, online, so look for it there. Uh, Other than that, I'm sure we're going to be on the lookout next week for the text of the Medicaid bill. They've announced a deal. We haven't seen the actual bill. That's going to come, if not next week, soon. But I I mean, sooner rather than later, there are some ticking clocks uh, that you can learn about if you haven't uh, in our coverage or by watching On the Record Saturday night, 7 p.m. on WRAL. We're also going to be on the lookout for the sports gambling bill. Haven't seen the actual text on that one this year, and surely it's got to be coming soon. We keep hearing it's coming. One other thing to keep an eye out next week. Spoke to someone today, Friday, who said that there's been a deal struck or very close to being struck on reforming the five-star rating system for uh, child care centers, for daycare centers. There is this system that rates uh, places that get subsidy money from the government uh, to help uh, pay for daycare. They're, they're rated, I think, from one to five stars. Most of them are four and five stars. It's, it, but uh, there have been complaints in that industry for a while about a number of things. But how that system weights different things was one of the big ones. And it sounds like there may be a breakthrough on that that will be announced uh, next week. So look out for that. That's about all I've got. And since I'm the only one here, that means we're done. I hope you have a wonderful day whenever you're listening to this. Thank you for your attention.